look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing? I'm good, Faisal. How about you? You know, this is the first year um, ever mm-hmm. that I can't go to the Maldives and it's because of COVID. Every other year I can't go because I can't afford it, <laughs> right. but, but this is the first year <laughs> right. I'm blaming yeah. COVID. Yeah, that make you feel better? Well, I'm blaming something else. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. <laughs> You're probably not alone on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay. That's uh, that's a fair comment. Maybe one day. COVID took the Maldives away from me. Yeah. Well, nobody feels sorry for you. <laughs> I, that's even crazy that you just brought that up. Whatever. It's going to be a, it's going to be one of those shows. One I of those feel, types I feel of it's going to be one of those shows. You're in that mood. I can tell. I'm in that mood because we're going to we get to talk about a couple of things that uh, that get me in that mood in a, in a sense that we have to have a bit of a. Uh, a sense of humor around things because these are some serious topics that people are experiencing. Sure. One is, of course, when you find out you have to pay tax on selling your home. Yeah. Well, and people have been freaked out for a number of years that we just have to report. Why? If it's, you know, it's tax-free, why do I have to report it? So let's talk about that because there are some potential tax implications. And there's a, there's a taxpayer in Canada that sold part of their home, had to pay tax and a penalty. Yeah. So we're going to tell you what happens in those situations. And many Canadians are saying, get me the heck, go to Maldives, go get me out of here. I want to move away from Canada. <laughs> right. We've enjoyed the summer so far, but we know winter is coming. Right. So I want to leave. I want to no longer be a Canadian resident. And then the tax man sticks out their hand and say, oh, nay, nay, we have to collect something. Right. So how do you do that? What's the tax implications? Yeah. And maybe what are some of the best destinations to go to? Right. From uh, a tax perspective. From a tax perspective. Good. So we're going to talk about that today. All right. That sounds good. Um, we're going to talk about markets too. Um, let's maybe broaden that conversation. There's a big news, obviously, this week in Canada, and that is we had a change at the top of our government. Mm-hmm. Right, Finance Minister Morneau stepped down. Yep, and we've got uh, Finance Minister Freeland stepping in. Yep. Um, lots of conversations about that. Um, market rea- I mean, speculation about what does this mean from a spending perspective and. You know, there's lots of questions we're getting. So, so I know this station has covered this topic and has had multiple of opinions yeah. on um, <clears throat> Minister Freeland and the government and all that stuff. I can tell you what the market thinks about it. Okay. They don't care. Right. The markets gave no cares about this. Right. If there was any cares to give, they didn't give any in this situation. Correct. Um, why? Because it's a non-event. Right. It's a non-event from a market perspective. I'm focusing on the Canadian market. Is a non-event. Well, I was reporting that day uh, on market events when the announcement came out, and I was looking specifically at the Canadian dollar to see how the trade on the Canadian dollar was going to be reflected. And that is often the way the international markets reflect or express their yeah. concern, displeasure, um, There's two or areas, pleasure, right? There's right? currency, yeah. and there's the government bonds. Yep. If you have less yep. um, faith in Canada, yep. you get away from Canadian dollar, or you get away from the Canadian bonds. And often those are connected. Right. Selling connected. Canadian bonds, cash out of Canadian yeah, dollars, buy something you're else. Out. Yeah, right. for, sure. for sure. And 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 that's what I reported that day. Uh, non-event. Right? Non-event. Non-event. So if policies change, you know, you might see a a reflection in that. But but the what, markets didn't react. What I am interested in, Dave, is who's who's working with Minister Freeland. So that's exactly what people. Who's have. on the team? Right. Right. Like. You know, we're well, the criticism was she's got no experience in finance. Yeah, whatnot, and you right? go back in history with all the finance ministers in, in the past. Most don't. Most don't have a finance background. Right. Most of them were lawyers. Right. 
not saying lawyers can't do the job. Right. Just saying that's not their background. Right. They're not trained in that manner. Right. So a criticism, yeah, yeah, you could it's criticize lots of It's who's on the team. And I think as professional portfolio managers, if anybody thinks that a good portfolio manager does everything on their own, they're wrong. Right. You have to have a great team. And right. our extended team of experts that we work with closely around the world is what makes us a good team. Yeah. The discipline solid. Right? <laughs> that's that's why we've been so good. successful. That's yeah, why we've yeah. been uh, performing the way we perform right. is because we've got a good team. No one can do any of this type right. of responsibility on their own. And that's right. the same thing when it comes to any position in cabinet. And I think that's what I look for is the first question I asked once the announcement was made was, tell me who's working for her. Right. Have, have who's the given the, her the advice? That's right. Are the bureaucrats or the consultants and or the... Uh, advisors advisors changed correct right if, the advi- if nothing's changed right that she's going to get the same information that Morneau got right but if she does a full shift right it's nice to know who's on that team right just like if we did a full shift and we got you know we changed all of our experts that we use or right. the canadian pension plan investment board changed all their right. experts right you'd like to know what- you'd probably get a different result correct right? you so you know that so that's exactly right so watch keep your eye on the bouncing ball there the bouncing <laughs> ball is the politician all right look behind that yeah and see what kind of changes were taking place and the markets did that it's like the wizard of oz who's yeah, behind right. the curtain who's actually behind the controlling curtain? stuff yeah you got it right okay so yeah we're um i think we're both in the same opinion that uh, that it was a non-event it is likely to continue to be a non-event uh, but we'll see when Parliament comes back in a session. If there's changes, then you know we'll evaluate those at the time. Do you know what else was a non-event? What Biden? Uh, okay. The markets did not falter right. when Biden was then now the nominee. Right. He was expected to be the nominee. Yeah. That's priced in long term. Nothing changed. No. Now we ha- there's difference of opinions of what could come out. Right. Should a should a Biden win? But non-existent. Yeah. Because it's, it's the markets didn't care. No. No, no, it's been priced in, right? We knew Biden was going to be that. You didn't. I mean, we've even had time now to, to price in a vice presidential. I, although the day was really interesting. Nobody seems to care about the vice president. I mean, um, even amongst Democrats, uh, there was lots of debate about it. But really, the impact, okay, um, you know, was that was a non-event as well. I've said this in the last four elections, uh, both sides of the border. It doesn't matter who's running. It matters who shows up at the poll. Right. And in this November election, who shows up at the polls or mails in their ballot um, will be the key point of where this economy is moving. So it's not just what the policies of the individuals are. It's who shows up at the poll. And if you look at the differences of who showed up at the polls in Obama's second term, Versus Trump's first term, big difference in, in people who voted. Right. Big difference. Right. And so it it really comes down to who shows up. Mm-hmm. And um, we have the right to vote. We have the privilege to vote. Not everybody exercises their vote. And that is the um, the unknown. And that's yep. where I think things are going to be headed over the next four months or so. Yeah, no, fair enough. And I mean, obviously, uh, you know, as we dig in and it's going to get hot and heavy now, more policies will come out, markets will price that in. But there's many moving parts, mm-hmm. right? There's so many moving parts uh, that you've got to be very careful about reacting in a major way to any one single piece of news. Here's one thing that's going to stay past this election, mm. COVID. Yeah. Here's one thing that's going to stay past this election, U.S.-China relations. Right. 
no matter who's in the front right. of the of the of the bus uh, when it comes to the United States, those two issues are still there. Yep. Number three issue is. Are we changing supply chain and going into more being independent from a supply chain basis, or are we going to still rely on the global platform for supply chain? That's going to be a difference as well. Those three things have nothing to do with the election. It's still going to be there uh, after the election. Correct. And now it's, now it's how do we deal with that to determine how this economy is moving forward? Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Those, uh, those issues are with us for a very long time. What you say? You what? Uh, I disagree with you, you agree. Vanzo, that's right. But I, I let like me tell you my agree. three points that I think are <laughs> Finally, sound exactly you like yours. 100%. <laughs> I think you're wrong, but here are my three See, points that sound exactly Everything the same. works out well, Pop, with when you just agree with me. <laughs> everything works yeah, out well. What could possibly go wrong? That's right. Okay, fair enough. Um, listen, we got to make sense of this. And, and what's really interesting about what you've just said, oh, I should rephrase that because that's going to go to your head too. Um <laughs> <laughs> but what I like, th th there are common themes, right? There are big picture themes that take a long time to play out with lots of moving parts, and they're going to be with us for a long time. And we have to make sense of all those things and put strategies together, even when the short-term things change, like elections every four years, yeah. right? Another thing that's long-term is retirement, retirement lifestyle. Yeah. How do you pull it all together? Plan for all of these you eventualities. You can have a 30, 40-year right. retirement. Right. How do you plan for that? How do you have that structure in place that no matter who's president, who's right. prime minister, what happens with the, the pandemic. So you are profiting and protecting and making sure your lifestyle is protected. We're going to talk about that and give you the solution to that problem on Tuesday, August 25th, 7 p.m., live online. So you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Are you going to have to pay tax on your principal residence when you sell it? Stick around after the break, and we'll show you how to avoid that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, Faisal, we get we have to report the, the sale of our principal residence now on our taxes. On oh, all, all real estate transactions. Yeah, all real estate, but principal in particular. That freaks, that freaks some people out. It's new. It's fairly new. Right. Um, and so, it's my principal residence. Why should I have to report that? Right. It's tax-free, right? Well... Not always. Not always. Dun, dun, dun. Right. So let's talk about that. Jamie Goldenbeck is with us, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning. Uh, Jamie, you did a, a write-up uh, on a particular case that uh, was in Montreal, but it demonstrates that um, taxpayers need to be very careful um, in terms of how they're reporting the principal residence and what could potentially happen that may actually lead to some taxes on that. Why don't you give us a, just a high-level understanding of what the, 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 story the case was, was. Yeah. the story? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the case involved a, a Montreal taxpayer who bought a substantial piece of property. I think he paid about a couple million bucks for it, spent another million dollars on renovations. This was not just an ordinary property. This was a special heritage property built back in 1830. If you know Montreal, it's in the heart of old Montreal, right on the port. Uh, you know, beautiful property. And effectively, he, uh, he divided it up into some condo units. And uh, there's also some commercial space. Anyway, um, he actually sold uh, one of the units, and uh, he had a capital gain of about two hundred and seventy thousand um, dollars, which he, you know, took the cash and put it into his bank account. But he never told his accountant about it, and he actually never declared it on his tax return. Hmm. Anyway, one thing led to another, and uh, he was audited initially by the Ministry of Revenue of Quebec, and then uh, CRA got wind of it, and ultimately he was caught. And uh, you know, his argument was, "Oh no, no, no! I mean, uh, I lived in part of it, and therefore I thought I could designate the whole thing." as a principal resident, which of course is not true. 
And uh, effectively, what happened is the, the 16 percent of it that, that it was sold off as an individual unit, as a condo, uh, was actually a rental property. And of course, when you sell rental property, if you have a gain, uh, that gain, of course, is going to be taxable at a 50 percent inclusion rate. So, uh, you know, a very specific case. But again, it highlights, I think, the point to the broader point for Canadians is that, you know, since 2016, you actually have an obligation to report the sale of everything including your principal residence, even if the entire gain is tax-free. So most Canadian couples can have one property uh, and they can sell it tax-free and there's no problem. You still have to report it and you have to report the proceeds, the cost, the year and stuff like that. So I think it's a cautionary tale. Uh, in fact, they caught on to this prior to that reporting because of you know some other issues on, on the tax returns that were caught. But now it's even easier for the CRA to go back, you know, we're into year five of, of reporting this stuff. So even if you've sold what you thought was a, a tax-free gain, uh, be careful, especially if you own that piece of property in Canmore or somewhere else where, you know, you could have a vacation property or a cabin or something like that, ski chalet, uh, you know, you got to be very careful. It's only one principal residence per, per family. So what what qualifies a property to become a principal residence? Because I think that's going to be the, there's many Canadians who have multiple properties, either a vacation property in Canmore, for example, and they have a home in Calgary. Um, can How does it work? What, what, clay, what can you, what are the criteria yeah. to determine a property as a principal residence? Yeah, I mean, there's really, there's actually four criteria listed in the Income Tax Act. The first is it has to be a housing unit. That definition is very broad. It certainly includes, you know, things like co-ops. It includes things like a houseboat, you know, anything like that. Uh, number two, you have to own the property. You have to actually own it. Number three, uh, you have to ordinarily inhabit the property. And that could be as little as one day a year, but as long as you ordinarily inhabit it. And you have to actually designate it as a principal residence when you sell it, uh, you know, on the year of sale and your tax return. So you can have more than one property. You can choose whichever one you want to be your principal residence uh, on the date that you sell one of them. Um, but again, it can't be a rental property or commercial rental property. Now, look, CRA has said if you occasionally rent it out, let's say for the odd weekend on Airbnb or something like that, uh, that's not going to be an issue, right? Uh, if you get a bit of you know rental income, you're just trying to cover some costs, uh, that's not the concern. The concern is if it is a legitimate rental property, you're renting it either commercially or residentially throughout the entire year, it's a source of income, that would not qualify as a principal residence. So, so Jamie, there's, there's many retirees who rent out a room or their basement in their own home to supplement their retirement income. Have they lost their principal residence exemption? Uh, no, CRA has been pretty, pretty relaxing on those rules. In fact, there's a lot of bulletins. We've actually written one. Uh, called So You Want to Be a Landlord. And you can just Google that uh, from CIVC. And actually, we go through all those rules in terms of, you know, the change of use rules, what if it's a partial change of use, things like that. So, yeah, you should be okay in both those cases. There are restrictions there about claiming, you know, depreciation. The rules are complicated. So uh, either speak to a professional or take a look at our bulletin, uh, So You Want to Be a Landlord. So let's, uh, let's kind of, well, give me the one more question okay. I have. Many people are going to be selling their home Last year, this year, and in, in future years, when, they, when they've done selling their home, and the only question they mark off was, was this your principal residence? They say yes, and it's done. What questions or comments should they be making to their tax professional so that both parties are aware of what could go wrong in, in cases like the one in Montreal and so forth? Yeah, I think the most important question is, like, do you or your family members actually live in it? And if you live in it, you're fine. 
Um, and also, do you own another property anywhere in the world? And that is really the issue. So, you know, uh, speak, get some advice, speak to your accountant, because if you own more than one property in a particular year, or even if you've owned one a few years ago and then sold it, uh, you may not be able to claim the resident exemption for all years of ownership. So you want to be open and upfront with your accountant so you don't get caught later on uh, by the CRA for a false claim, just like this person here who got uh, hit, not just with a tax, by the way, who got hit with a gross negligence penalty equal to 50% of the tax that he tried to avoid. So in this case, you know, that's like $40,000 penalty on top of the tax. So you're warned. Yeah. Jamie, let's shift gears real quickly. Um, We had some changes announced. Uh, The CERB was uh, extended. There's been some changes to EI as uh, the government is trying to roll people off the CERB onto some more traditional programs and so on and so forth. Why don't you bring us up to speed on what the announcements were and what people should be aware of? Yeah, so look, very very simply, on a very high level, CERB is ending, you know, in September. You're going to get an extra four weeks. You've been claiming the CERB. After that, you go back to EI. So most people who are employees, uh, if they were laid off their job, they lost their job, they qualified for EI, are back on EI. They've actually reduced the qualification rules so that I think if you've only worked even 120 hours, I think you're going to qualify. Uh, you're going to get a minimum of $400 a week for up to 26 weeks. So much more generous qualification rules. Uh, you know, for the for the EI program, and uh, you know, it's a minimum twenty six weeks, four hundred dollars a week. Now, um, what they've also done is introduced a few new benefits. The first is the Canada Recovery Benefit, uh, which basically is an EI for those who are self employed. So most people who are self employed do not voluntarily pay into the EI because you don't have to. Um, and let's say you lose your job or you have less income, you can now apply for the Canada Recovery Benefit. That's $400 a week for up to 26 weeks. You've got to continuously be looking or trying to work. Uh, then they have the Canada Recovery Sickness Benefit. That's $500 a week for up to two weeks. That's really for people who are either employees or self-employed that are required to self-isolate uh, because they or someone in their family is sick with COVID-19. And basically, it's a paid sick leave for people that don't have a paid sick leave. Primarily, I'm thinking of, of the self-employed or some companies that don't have a generous sick leave policy. And then finally, the, the Canada Recovery uh, Caregiving Benefit. So let's say you've got kids and the kids are under the age of 12. They can't go to school because the school is closed. There's been an outbreak of COVID or daycare is not open. Or maybe you've got a family member that's in a, a home. The home is shut down, things like that. Uh, it's unsafe to uh, send them to school. Uh, you get $500 a week if you have to stay home to take care of these individuals. Up to 26 weeks, it's not voluntary. So in other words, if you just feel that it's better off for your kid not to be in school because you're nervous, it doesn't qualify. So there are exceptions. Of course, if you've got a child that's immunocompromised, disability, you know, things like that. Uh, But these new benefits, the Canada Recovery Benefit, the Recovery Sickness Benefit, the Canada Recovery Caregiving Benefit, combine that with the easier EI should help bridge the gap between the CERB uh, in the coming months ahead. What if you're working with a business partner and you don't want to and you want to self-isolate from that person? <laughs> Let's name him Dave Popovich. Any benefits uh, from yeah, the government, Alan? If, if you got COVID, you can do it. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> Looking to get away from you, my friend. Uh, I can see that. That's <laughs> twice in this show you've tried. Jeez. All right. Yeah. On that note, uh, Jamie, thanks very much. We, we always appreciate your insights and keeping uh, us and our listeners informed of what uh, what's going on. All right, stay safe, guys. All right. You too, Jamie. 
Jimmy Goldenbeck, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning, one of our guys here at CIBC. Um, a good update there. We've got to figure all this out. Life goes on. No matter what happens, life goes on. Lifestyles have to be supported. Families have to be supported. We're going to talk about how to do all of that, how, how to you, live through this. How right? do you live through this? How do you manage your portfolio properly with proper structure and discipline? And how do you have to look at using experts as you transition to and live in retirement. We're going to cover all this on Tuesday, August 27th, 25th, sorry. That's August 25th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. If your lifestyle is going to take you out of Canada, move out of Canada, you better understand the tax impact. Stick around for that on the next segment. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, Faisal, we get lots of questions about, uh, you know, retirement dreams outside of this country. And what is it, you know, what, what if you want to leave Canada and live somewhere else? Where get you... me out of here yeah. is what we hear. Get, gets cold in the winter, as I'm told. Uh-huh. Yeah, Kim Moody, CEO, and Elan Harper is a principal uh, at Moody's Tax. Both joining us today. Kim, Elan, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Thank you. So, Kim and, and Elan, the, the conversation of the thought process of people saying, okay, that's it. I want to leave Canada. I want to go somewhere where it's going to be warm all year round. Um, when, it, when I hear those conversations with clients or guests of the show, uh, listeners, they, I, I always start asking other questions like, okay, so where, what are you going to do and stuff like that. But there's, there's, some, uh, there's some things that people need to think about. And if you're planning to move to another country for retirement, what are, from a tax perspective, mm-hmm. what do you need to know? Well, uh, Alan and I just did a uh, departure tax webinar this morning for our firm. You know, over 200 people attended. Alan spoke about uh, those very issues. So, Alan, why don't you uh, talk about uh, some of those topics that, that you talked about this, this morning? Right. Thanks, Kim. So, a couple things that you need to consider are you are going to be taxed on Uh, any gains that you've had in assets as you leave Canada, with some exceptions. And so, uh, for example, Canadian real estate is a big exception. And then there's a whole list of other exceptions. And what we're trying to do, one of the things we do when we try to reduce tax when people leave Canada is to help them classify their assets to to make it into those exceptions lists. Um, You also want to understand how you're going to be taxed when you go to that new country. So we're seeing currently a lot of interest in uh, Portugal as both a great lifestyle, great place to live, and for the first 10 years that we're there, for most people, it's actually a fairly tax-friendly place to live as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's fairly a fairly complicated area, but we can help make it simple. And the other thing that we see a lot is just people who aren't quite sure what it means to depart. So, for example, we had a family who just built their dream house here. They want to spend eight months of the year somewhere else, and but they want that to be a tax departure. That's that's a struggle. You, you know, you're going to have to give up your Canadian residence in order to be tax residents somewhere else. And I think that's a good point that you're making there, Elaine. Let's let's talk about what does it mean to give up your your residency in Canada. You're not giving up your citizenship, but you're giving up your residency in Canada because you want to live somewhere else. What needs to happen for um, CRA to identify that you are no longer a Canadian resident? Yeah, no, great question. And you really do need to move your life. So it depends a little bit whether you're moving to a country that has an income tax treaty with Canada or not. 
So we have domestic law, which is fairly general with respect to residency, uh, and then there's the treaties, which override that domestic law. And the treaties are a little bit more prescriptive in terms of the series of tests that they go through. So, for example, if you're looking at the Canada-U.S. treaty and, and most of our treaties, the first test is, do you have a home available for your use? So if you still have a home available for your use in Canada, um, then, you, you know, you're already kind of struggling to meet those tests. So um, if you don't move your family, if you have a significant other and they're not moving with you, again, very difficult to meet the test to say that you've actually moved. So CRA is, is looking to see that you have actually moved your life to another, another jurisdiction. Uh, and the other question that we get quite a lot is people who, well, I don't want to be tax resident anywhere. And that doesn't work. CRA, surprisingly, no. CRA wants to see that you have moved to another tax jurisdiction and that you are being, in as much as they are going to tax you, being taxed there. Okay, so people, uh, just to be clear, if you're thinking of making that transition, you're going to have to take some significant steps to, you know, to ensure the CRA that your life is, is moving. Does that mean you can still have Canadian assets? Um, or do you have to dispose of, of all assets? So your principal residence, could you rent it out then and move? Uh, or am I getting too nuanced there? No, no, absolutely. And that's, and that's very commonly done. Folks will have a home that they love, so they'll rent it out, long-term rental, and ensure that they meet those, those tests. Um, we do see frequently CRA will come back to folks and say, oh, we don't think you're non-resident. And they have administratively, they seem to have a policy that until you've been gone two years, they don't want to consider you to be non-resident. Well, that's just wrong. That's not what the law says. That's not what the case law says. Um, so what we do with people is help them to build a file so that they can conclusively show, no, I am factually non-resident as of this date. What makes, and maybe Kim, I'll throw it over to you. This is a more of a general question, but what makes one jurisdiction better than another jurisdiction with respect to a move? Uh, Ilana mentioned Portugal. What makes that a friendly environment versus a non-friendly uh, environment to move to? Well, that's a great question, which involves you know tax and non-tax considerations. But from from a tax perspective, you know, you know, like Alan said, when when we build the file, you know, a, a key consideration is okay. What do the assets look like? What are the future uh, income generation possibilities from those assets, and potentially other, you know, maybe you're going to work there, for example, or right. a salary, or, or what have you, or start a business. And so what does the new domestic uh, tax jurisdiction look like? And Portugal is pretty friendly. Um, there's other jurisdictions that have tax holidays for new investors. Uh, Italy, for example, Israel, um, and, and other jurisdictions that have tax holidays for new immigrants. And so it's, you know, that kind of analysis needs to occur. Right. Um, you know, what does life look like after you depart Canada? And so... And of course, non-tax issues, which we're certainly not experts in. But what does healthcare look like? What is, mm -hmm. you know, what's travel, and you know, what, what does your life really look like when, when you now are saying goodbye to Canada? Yeah. Would you say Kim or Elan, either or? Would you say um, Portugal, Italy, Israel, top three um, 
best places to move purely from a tax perspective. We won't talk about everything else. It uh, needs to be weighed on, on that decision. But purely from a tax perspective, for retirees, so we're not talking about opening up a new business. We're not talking about being an investor in a, in a company over there or anything like that. We're talking purely as a retirement spot. They want to leave Canada. Where would you say the top three from a tax perspective is? Well, I'll, I'll let Alain handle that, but <laughs> okay. I will say just, you know, before she does, that uh, that by far, you know, the most files that we deal with, you know, the people are, are moving to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're frankly not doing that because of tax reasons. Um, but when tax does become a consideration, Alain, what, what are we seeing? You know, so absolutely, Portugal has, and again, it's very fact-specific, so we can't say that everyone will fall into it, but Portugal does have a 10-year tax holiday that can be significantly uh, of benefit. Um, Panama is another interesting place from a tax perspective, and we're seeing a fair bit of interest there. And then I would say, I would agree with Kim, that you know what, there are a number of states in the United States that do not have state income tax, so those are also tremendously interesting. You know, you're looking at sort of the highest marginal tax rate, personal tax rate of around 39%, um, which, you know, compared to sort of 48 or, you know, ranging up mm-hmm. to 53% in Canada is, is uh, you've got world-class health facilities, you're close to an international airport, it's a first, first world country, um, you know, that's interesting. What are some of those states? Uh, and I don't have the list in front of me. Nevada is a very popular mm-hmm. one. Um, I think, Kim, do you have one? Washington list? is zero. Florida is zero. Yeah, I was yeah. going to um, say Florida. I think Texas. Texas. I think Texas is low, too, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. those are the ones off the top of our head, at least anyhow, and they, and they so tend to be rather popular. So are you recommending that I just buy a one-way ticket for Popwich to go to Nevada? <laughs> <laughs> it's a best. It's a good spot for tax-wise, and I get rid of him. Isn't that a win-win for all of us? No like, kidding. <laughs> Let's just say well, that there's a reason why Stephen Stamco signed back in Tampa Bay for less money than what Toronto was offering him a number of years ago. Well right. said. Well said. Fair enough. Well, and, okay. and go ahead, Lan. I was just going to say, and I would do it soon. I would buy that ticket soon, right? I mean, we are <laughs> hearing rumblings about tax changes. Um, oh, I thought so you want to get rid of Popwich quicker. That's <laughs> all. <laughs> well, that we too. just met. I can't <laughs> have offended her yet. <laughs> um, I, 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 there's a lot of concern about where tax rates, where tax regime is going. For sure. So I do think that's something to look at soon. Okay, listen, this, we can't do justice in 10 minutes to, um, uh, to this topic. We wanted to raise some awareness of it that sometimes people get caught up in the excitement of living abroad. Uh, it is really important that you get a proper analysis done, and hopefully we have raised enough awareness through what um, Kim and Lan are talking about to do that. So, guys, if, if somebody needs more information, how best to get in touch with you guys? Well, uh, go to our website at moodystax.com. Look for Alan's bio. Uh, look for my bio, and Alan and I have been taking uh, a lot of uh, a lot of calls. And to Alan's credit, she's been fielding a ton of them and doing an excellent job. So, um, so we we could certainly help. Okay, wonderful. On that note, we're going to have to uh, to wrap it up here, Faisal. We've got a seminar coming up because this is all part of lifestyle planning, right? How do you pull it all together? Figure out where you want to live. Yeah. What are the tax implications? And Alan raised an interesting question: What if they start going higher here? How do we protect ourselves? Yeah, against protect, that? profit, make sure you have the right investment strategy to bulletproof your retirement. We're going to talk about that Tuesday, August 25th, 7 p.m., live online 
you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. COVID was your lottery win as an investor. You want to know why? Join us after the break. You're on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Um, I teased before we took a break here that COVID was a lottery win <laughs> for investors. What? Yeah, exactly. Did you not see what happened in the markets? How yeah, about a lottery win? I did see that what happened in the markets, and I'm I'm a bit fired up about this. Okay, so okay. let's do some railing. Should on I this. sit back a bit? And... Yeah, yeah. I, if I start talking Uh-oh. with my hands and I punch in the face, I'm sorry about that. It's intentional. I know. <laughs> okay. It's intentional. So here's what I mean by this. Okay, um, we went through a pretty wicked correction. S&P 500 at its lowest point, off 34% from its highs. Lots of people very, very scared. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Same sort of experience when things, like the feeling when things fell back in 2008-09. But here's the lottery win, is markets have largely recovered mm-hmm. in the shortest period of time in history. Mm-hmm. Okay, So generally speaking, many people's portfolios will be back up, no damage done, in a very, very short period of time. Yeah. Okay. So here's my problem. Well, that's the lottery win. Bang. Now we're back at par. Because of the recovery. Because the recovery was so quick. Now, here's what we have to do going forward. And here's what I'm railing on. There's a lot of people that we talked to that were terrified in when when the market crash was happening. Yep. Okay. Hundreds of people attended our webinar. Hundreds. Hundreds. And they were freaked out and scared. Absolutely. Fair. Fair enough. Okay. Recovered. The language and, and the conversations are changing. No, 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 I'm, I'm okay now. Here's what I'm going to say. To those of you out there that felt that your retirement was at risk or in jeopardy of being damaged or permanently destroyed in that three-month-ago period when markets had tanked, yeah. and we fast-forward and you haven't changed anything, okay? you've been warned. You've been warned. You've got a lottery ticket win where things have come back. If you were uncomfortable or worried back then and you've not done anything differently, you've been warned. You've been warned. You can't complain about it going forward. It's like a mild heart attack. Right. Unless you sit there and you tell me, we will never have another market correction. There'll be a, it doesn't have to be a pandemic. Another problem. Never again. Or every time we do have a correction, it's going to come back at at this speed. Right. Right. It's going to be a historically quick. 35% drop. Five months later, we're all back to normal. Everything's fine. fine. I can, I can handle that. Okay. If you can guarantee me that, and speaking of guarantees, Mm. 10 years ago, we started this show. Mm-hmm. And it was in one of the first shows that we, we started uh, the show. I said, I guarantee you. This is a guy that manages money. He's actually saying the word guarantee. Right. I guarantee you there's going to be a market crash. Right. I didn't say when. Right. But I said that it's going to happen. Again. And I'm saying it again. I guarantee you there's going to be another market crash. Okay. So here's. So what do you do? Well, but, but here's my frustration, okay? Is got this lottery win. We have the ability to change it. The motivation to change is often driven by that fear. And so when you're at your lows, I talked about this last December too. Don't make a change in your portfolio when things are crashing. Adjust for it in preparation for that. So here we are. Yeah. Here we are right now. You've been warned. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you were uncomfortable and you haven't made a change going forward, the next one you can't complain about. It is what it is. Okay. But we're going to suggest something here because... It's not good enough just to rail on it. This is about education, okay? And yeah, we want to help people. Let's give them some tips. Right. So this is about what, let's call it the 360 retirement review. Beautiful. All right. So what, love what do we ones. mean by that? It's not, let's start with portfolio, but it's not just about portfolio. 360. So we're going to look all it, around us. All around us. First, we talk about portfolio. Right. 
the structure of your portfolio that caused that drop that you experienced back in March and April will determine on how you built that portfolio or your advisor built that portfolio with you. Right. And if you were freaking out then, if you were uncomfortable, if you were worried about your future base, what have you done differently in the portfolio, in the structure and the discipline right. to prevent that happening to you again? Correct. And we're not saying prevent anything from going down, right? We're not saying that. We're just saying if you were uncomfortable and it wasn't what you expected or you didn't feel like this was a good experience, then what have you done differently? What's the strategy? What are you trying to protect against? And what are the realistic ex expectations going forward? Yeah. Right? Okay. So portfolio. You've got to go and dig in. Start asking the tough questions. Start ripping it apart. Start redesigning, if necessary, for the goals and objectives what's, that you've got. What's one question our listeners can ask their advisor or themselves if they're a do-it-yourself investor that would trigger that conversation of, is my portfolio right for me? Well, uh, listen, I, I, w I want people, and I'm speaking to a very specific group of people, it's, it's uh, those of you that are listening that were distinctly uncomfortable in the fall. So just start there. Did, was I, was my partner, together as a couple, were we distinctly uncomfortable and worried that our, that our, our retirement yep. was in jeopardy? Part of the 360 review, when you look all around, we start with portfolio. The next one is who are the people that work with you to reach your financial and lifestyle goals? And that goes to your advisor and who you're working with. Now, you had a yeah, conversation cool. with a listener of our show mm -hmm. about their portfolio. What did that, that listener say to you? Well, you know, one of, one of the questions I asked this person in conversation was, why, why are you reaching out to me? Like, what are we, why are we having this conversation? And it was a longer uh, answer than this, but the one piece that stuck out in my mind, and I actually wrote it down, was um, he said, my I don't think my advisor is uh, prepared or able to transition me to retirement. Wow. So uh, I've got the wrong advisor. Well, yeah, I'm not, I don't have the confidence. Like the conversation was a long one, but I didn't have, uh, he didn't have the confidence that the person he was working with, who had done a good job, he said, in my life had done a good job, but wasn't confident that that person was capable and ready to transition their family. So that's the skill set the advisor needs to have. It's not just building a portfolio. Right. It's not just putting some numbers in a financial plan, throwing it at you, saying you're going to be okay. okay. It's the structure. It's how do you make sure I have income? Where am I going to get my income from? What's the tax implications? How are you going to make sure that I get a steady cash flow when we have another stock market crash? Right. Because Faisal's already guaranteed there's going to be one. <laughs> Sometime, that's right. It's going to happen. It's so good. how are you protecting me? How do you make sure that my health care in the future is taken care of? I have, I have family I want to pass these assets on. Who's got, is is the government going to get forty eight percent? Like all these issues that come up that are concerns. Is that individual or that that advising team that you have? Are they the right. transition experts okay. that you need on your team? And add to it, you know, think about accountants, lawyers. It's it's a team. It's yeah. a team of, Who's of, on of your people team? to help you. Okay, this is a good three sixty. So portfolio number one, advising, and your team number two. Who's your third? Family. Family. So there's so many aspects of this, not just your partner, right? But clearly an important element, yep. right? So many times we talk to families and there's one partner that's sort of more engaged in the finance side than the other partner. Both need to be engaged. You both need to be on, on the same page. But it goes beyond just the, the two finances. of you, yep. right? And the finances, that's right, because there's family implications. Dave, do you know how many Canadians are going to be forced into retirement in the next 24 months because of COVID? We're already seeing it now. You're seeing packages being sent out. You're seeing severances. People are, are being let go of their jobs. And now they're at a point in their life where they're saying, I'm done. Right. 
And if you don't have that conversation with your family, you're not all on the same page. You're going to have some problems. Or or it leads to bigger. So I do a lot of legacy bucket planning for the team, as you know, right? So if your, if your retirement date is now chosen for you, yeah. and perhaps that is years before what you thought, what implications might that have on your and your spouse's expectation of being able to support the kids, transition to grandkids, do all of these other things? This is a family conversation well beyond just the borders of your immediate household with you and your spouse. Yeah, so remember, retirement you can choose or it can choose you. You're, you don't always have the opportunity for you to have the life you want to have and the, and the views that you have. Sometimes things like the, this pandemic will cause many Canadians to lose their job. Guess what? Retirement just chose you. Right. So you have to do a 360 review. This is a material change in your life. 100%. 360 retirement review. That definitely works. Again, the top three things in this 360 review, yep. your portfolio. So that's, that's structure, strategy, and discipline in your portfolio. Number two is your advising team. Right. Are they the experts to help you transition through, through, not to retirement, but through retirement? Right. There's a different skill set for that. And number three is your family on board. You and have your and have the goals and objectives changed as a result of whatever material change? You're Absolutely. Making. You you handle all those three at the three sixty review, right. and this lottery win that we call COVID for investors, that you will be prepared going. You forward. are going to be prepared. So I hope this really helps. If you want more information, if you want to understand this three sixty review, reach out to us. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com and hit the contact us button. We'll be more than happy to chat with you about that. Speaking mm -hmm. about chatting. Talking about the structure, how to bulletproof your retirement, Tuesday, August 25th, 7 p.m., live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Thanks for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. Talk to you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.